we're going through a series uh, up here on Elijah, and um, just thought it was a, a fitting, a fitting uh, series because Elijah was called to be a prophet and during very uncertain times, unsettling times, some dark times, and he was called um, to to be that faithful voice, that faithful faithful presence. In a very in a very difficult time, just thought it was a, it was a fitting theme, fitting uh, series to to look at. And a couple weeks ago, we we came across this uh, this character in First Kings eighteen. Uh, his name's Obadiah, and I have just been captured by this guy in his ministry. And uh, I want to um, share. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my dogs upstairs. I want to share with you guys um, this uh, passage uh, from 1 Kings 18 about Obadiah. Um, it's probably it's probably been maybe a week, maybe two weeks since you've really studied 1 Kings 18. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for this roar of laughter uh, at that first joke. It's really hard to make a joke land when you're on Zoom. <laughs> but it's probably been a little while since you've been in 1 Kings 18. And so what we need to do is set it up a little bit. Let me let me kind of set the stage a little bit. You might not, though you might not know of 1 Kings 18, you, you maybe have heard of a scene or an event that happens in this chapter from the Old Testament. It's this epic showdown on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and, and sort of this, this uh, this showdown and the agreement is whichever God responds by fire, that's the true God. And this is when when Elijah prays and then the Lord responds with this uh, this this um, column of fire and it consumes the whole altar. And we see Yahweh as the, as the supreme God. Um, that's in this chapter. But here's the thing, though. Leading up to that moment is when we get introduced to this character, this this man, Obadiah. And it's tempting when you're in 1 Kings 18 to go right to that showdown on Mount Carmel and sort of breeze past Obadiah. But I really want to f focus in on him. And here's why. Three reasons. The first reason is that Obadiah is a faithful servant in very unfaithful times or in an unfaithful system or in an unfaithful world. I mean, all this brokenness around him, he remains faithful to the Lord. And that's the first thing we're going to look at. Secondly, Obadiah's um, calling, his ministry, what he's called to is very unique, it's, it, uh, especially compared with Elijah. Elijah is very um, public in his ministry. He's very public in his calling. Obadiah, it's very different. It's, it's, it's quieter. It's behind the scenes, but it's still incredibly powerful, the work that he was called to do. And what that shows us is that we're not all called to the same ministry, right? We're not all called to the same. We don't have all the same calling. Uh, and I just want to really drill down on that with Obadiah. So first, he's faithful during unfaithful times. Uh, his calling and the way that he expresses his faithfulness is unique to Elijah. And then the third thing we're going to look at is that uh, there's still uh, an invitation for Obadiah to grow in his faith. There's still um, just a, a maturing in his faith that he's called to. And so again, I'm just drawn to that. I, I feel like what Obadiah, Obadiah represents is this sort of Christian, I mean, sort of this picture of what the Christian life is all about. Faithfulness service, and yet growing, continuing to grow um, in our faith. So that's a little bit of a background. We're now going to turn to the text. Amy Land is going to read uh, the text 
for us. I know, again, it's going to sort of sound like it's coming from left field, um, but but stick with it. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing passage. And uh, so she's going to read it. I'll pray, and then, and then we'll start. 1 Kings 18, verses 1 through 16. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land, to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, is it you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, He is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Let's pray together. Father, we need your word to speak to us. We don't have the ability nor even the desire to study or understand what it is that you have to say to us without the Spirit first giving us ears to hear and eyes to see. So we ask that your Spirit be our teacher. And by grace, grant us the ability to receive what it is that you have to say, but not just receive what it is uh, that you have to say to us, but also apply it to our lives so that we may live lives changed, truly transformed by your spirit. We are the sheep of your pasture. So feed us now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in elementary school, there was a game we used to play in PE called Jailbreak. And I don't know if you've had the 
immense pleasure of playing this game before. Um, but if, you ha- if you've never heard of it, let me just give you a, a brief synopsis of what it is. It's sort of like dodgeball. You take the class divided into two teams in the gym and throwing balls at each other. But in, if, when you get hit, instead of being out and have to go sit on the bleachers or something, if you get hit by a ball, you have to go into the other team's side of the court and have to stand in a hula hoop that was placed on the floor, and that's, that's the jail. So if you get hit by a ball, you're placed in jail. So you have to go across the court and be surrounded by, by that other team in jail. Uh, and you have to stay there until one of your teammates throws a ball and it hits the backboard, hits the, the basketball goal behind you. And when that happens, the teacher yells out, jailbreak, and everyone kind of scampers back to their own side of the court. But it's that strange feeling when... And I can still remember uh, a strange feeling of being in jail, right? Being being in that hula hoop, surrounded by the other team, and being just just very feeling very alone in that moment. Uh, my team is way over there on the other side of the court, but here I am, surrounded by the other team, uh, not really identifying with them, right? This is enemy territory, and yet there I was, smack dab in the middle of them. That's a little bit of a picture of what it's like, what it was like for Obadiah. He was, as we just heard read, he was uh, the head of the household, uh, or he oversaw uh, the household of, of Ahab. Um, he was the sort of the manager of Ahab's estate. Now, what's significant about that? Well, Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord, which is an Old Testament way of saying that he he worshipped and served the one true God, Yahweh. He knew who the Lord was, he knew who he was in relation to the Lord, and he served him. But he did so while working for King Ahab. Now, what's significant about that? Well, King Ahab was an evil king uh, in charge of overseeing uh, ten tribes of, of, of Israel. So, just a little bit of a history lesson, just real quick. Um, this is about 800 years before the birth of Jesus. The people of God had had this terrible civil war divided into two different kingdoms. Uh, I actually have a map. I uh, have a map for you um, there with Israel, kingdom of Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and Ahab was king over Israel in the north. And so 10 of the tribes broke up to form that kingdom. The other two stayed down in Judah. Ahab was a terrible man. He was very evil. He was uh, unfaithful to the covenant. He did not lead the people uh, well at all. Um, and, and he also married Jezebel, who introduced Baal worship, um, this sort of pagan cultic uh, uh, god, a fertility god and god of the storm, all this, um, and introduced that worship into Israel. And so there's just all this unfaithfulness happening in Israel. And this is where Obadiah serves. This is where he works. And so I just have that picture again of, of that, of that um, elementary school game jailbreak where Obadiah was that, that sole person uh, standing there faithful to the Lord while surrounded by so much unfaithfulness. And I would be willing to uh, guess that many of us can probably relate to that. Wherever we are um, in, in social circles, maybe where we work, maybe where we go to school, whatever our, our life situation is, sometimes it can really feel very isolating, feeling as if 
I'm the only person on my street. I'm the only person where I work. I'm the only person whatever who is trying to live a life faithful to the Lord, um, surrounded by so much unfaithfulness. And so what we're going to do uh, just here uh, for the next uh, little bit is, again, look at, looking at these three things uh, with Obadiah, that he was faithful and, and how was he. And secondly, the ways in which he expressed his faithfulness was very unique to him, is very different from Elijah. And again, Elijah was very public, um, but Obadiah is private. But then lastly, Obadiah is called to continue to grow in his faith. So a couple things we need to, to look at when we're thinking about we're looking at Obadiah is that there's a there's a very stark contrast between he and Ahab. Ahab again is the king of Israel, but if you look through back through this text, you can clearly see where Ahab's um, where his heart was. He wanted to take Obadiah, go through the countryside looking for all sources of water and grass and food for their animals. So Ahab was out to save the animals while Obadiah, and we'll look more about this in the second point, but Obadiah was out to save the people of Israel. And, and so you can again see where the, the contrast there. Ahab trying to save uh, you know, his animals, his horses, his mules, whereas Obadiah is out to save the people. So there's a, there's a really stark contrast there in terms of, you know, where their heart was, what they were seeking uh, to do with, with their time. Um, but what's amazing is that Obadiah still um, um, being, being uh, right there at the, at the top of Ahab's uh, household and, and overseeing all of his material possessions, that still did not prevent him from being faithful in his service to the Lord. And so I, that's really just the first point. I wanted to stop there and, and, and just see that Obadiah was faithful um, and that his service and his, his job did not prevent him from being faithful to the Lord. And I think that could be a takeaway for, for, for us is that, you know, wherever we're called, to serve wherever we're called to 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 be, uh, that does not prevent us from uh, serving the Lord in whatever way that He's called us um, uh, to do. But here's a here's a sort of a litmus test. How can we know? So here's a here's a question we can ask ourselves. How do we know if we are remaining faithful to the Lord in whatever He's called us and wherever He's called us to to be? How do we know? And it's really just one question I want to ask. In what are you putting your hope? In what are you putting your hope? Uh, more specifically, in whom are you putting your hope? Um, because there's there's this tension that we have in the Christian life uh, to, to place hope in the Lord where it ought to be, or do we um, turn like Obadiah, I mean, turn like, like Ahab and start putting our hope in different things, different systems? Uh, and I And I think... You know, if, if it's a religious system, if it's a political system, if it's an economic system that we're putting our hope in, those will fail us. Those are, are insufficient to, to really meet that deep need that we have. But if our hope is in a person, Jesus, he will not fail us, and he is the only one that can that can uh, truly fulfill that need that we have. Um, so this question of in what or in whom are you putting your hope uh, is really that that great test that can that can deceive are we being faithful to the Lord or not? 
And from that question, there are all kinds of other subsequent questions we can ask to kind of flesh that out a little bit, but really beginning there in what, more specifically, in whom are we placing our hope? For Obadiah, his hope was in the Lord and not in that fallen, unfaithful system of Ahab's household. Let's move to the second point here, looking at the ways in which Obadiah served. We just saw that he is faithful to the Lord, but how? Was it in, you know, very dramatic ways like Elijah? No, Elijah's calling, uh, and again, it's probably been a while since you've done a, a study on Elijah, but Elijah's calling was very public. It was very confrontational. It was right there on the front lines, um, confronting Ahab, confronting the sin of, of, of the nation. Obadiah's calling uh, and the way he expressed his faithfulness was very different. It was very quiet. It was secretive. Um, it was even sub subversive, uh, you know, really, because Jezebel at this time was systematically trying to eliminate all the prophets of Israel, and Obadiah is the one who's called to save them. He's doing it quietly. He's doing it compassionately. His ministry is one of encouragement, um, whereas Elijah was one of uh, confrontation. And I think that's really important for us as we think about our own lives, that uh, we're not all called to be Elijah's, that uh, Obadiah was a man who, who looked around him. He saw the opportunities, opportunities he had to serve. He looked at the resources that were available to him, and he faithfully served the Lord in the, way, in the ways that were available. He was saving prophets, right? Um, as they were being um, sought after by Jezebel, he is, he is hiding them. He is feeding them. He is caring for them in quiet ways, but in very powerful ways, right? There are many ways we can do this. Um, I would just want to give a quick example, and I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but just the, the, the texts, the, the notes, the cards, the phone calls, the emails, just the, the little ways um, that, that I continue and my family continues to be lifted up and supported by you all is absolutely incredible. And many of you don't know that you all are doing this, right? So again, kind of like Obadiah, it's quiet, it's secretive. You know, it's not being it's not being shouted from the rooftops or anything, but it's these little ways that is such an encouragement to us. So I think for us, we need to we need to realize that we're not all called to be Elijahs, but we all are called to express our faithfulness to the Lord and our service to others, given the resources that we have, given the gifts that we have, um, and the opportunities that we have. I think of First Corinthians twelve that. You know, in terms of spiritual gifting, we're not all gifted in the same way. And some are gifted to be more out front, uh, others not so much. So I, for me, this has sort of been a, a weight sort of lifted. Um, and I hope that is uh, for you too, but just ways that we can be that faithful presence in our communities and our neighborhoods. Um, not all being Elijah's, perhaps sometimes we are called to be a little more upfront. Uh, especially if whatever our, if our job is asking us to do something that is contrary to what we believe. In that sense, we might have to be a little more public with our faith, but this isn't necessarily a mandate that we have to be out on the front lines. Uh, there are many ways that we can just quietly and faithfully live out our lives uh, serving the Lord in the midst of so much unfaithfulness. Um, let's move now to this, to this last point. Um, and it's a little confusing, and I don't want to um, spend too much time setting it up, um, but I, f I feel like it is important to, to do this a little bit. Uh, and this last point is Obadiah's call or invitation to grow in his faith. Um, 
again, to sort of set it up, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, was uh, systematically going after the prophets of the Lord. And, um, you know, uh, people were sent out to look for them and bring the prophets of the Lord to her. And um, Obadiah is now being told by Elijah to go tell Ahab, Elijah's here. Because Elijah was one of those main prophets that they were, they were looking for. And Obadiah's like, wait a minute, you want me to go to Ahab and Jezebel and tell them that you are here? Because last time, and this is a little bit of the backstory, um, last time Elijah went to confront them, the spirit whisked him away into the wilderness in which he was fed by ravens. And this is a beautiful picture back in chapter 16 of the Lord's provision. But Obadiah's fear was that he was going to go announce Elijah's return to Ahab, but then the spirit would do the same thing, kind of whisk him away and, and protect him and, and, and take him into hiding. And Obadiah was very afraid about that because if he announces Elijah's return and then Elijah is taken away into the wilderness again, Obadiah is going to be standing there uh, looking like a, a liar, and that's not going to end well. Obadiah mentions it three times. He's going to kill me when he finds out that you're not here. Um, but Elijah assures him, no, I am going to go and speak to him. Now, what's interesting about all this, and again, I hope that wasn't confusing, um, but what's interesting about this is that Obadiah still obeys, right? He still goes to uh, King Ahab and, and announces his uh, Elijah's return. There was still this um, invitation for him to step out in faith to believe that even though his future was uncertain he was still called to to believe and and uh, and, and step out in this way and I think that's just really a, a nice picture for us that here we have this incredibly faithful man um, in which I see so much of myself um, and yet right here there's still that sort of question of okay well but how's it going to end for me if I do this I'll be faithful but up to a point. And after that, I don't know, you know, but here he is, he's still stepping out in faith. And I just think that for all of us, no matter where we are in our, in our, uh, in our journeys, um, the, you know, there's still that call to lean further into the Lord and, and trust him and grow in our faith, to live more and more unto righteousness, to die more and more unto sin and, and see the Lord's provision and how he cares for us and loves us. And this is true for Obadiah, just as it is true for you and I. Now, if I were to stop the sermon right here uh, and say, you know, now we just need to be like more like Obadiah. We need to um, serve the Lord surrounded and be faithful to the Lord in the midst of all this unfaithfulness. Uh, we need to um, express our, our faithfulness to the Lord in whatever ways that we have, what are the resources and opportunities that we have around us. And lastly, we need to grow in our faith. Uh, and, and if I said all that and pray and have a good rest of your day, that would be a pretty heavy burden I just laid on your shoulders. Oh, that would be true. I mean, yes, let, let's do serve the Lord faithfully. Let's let's do serve others in, a, in whatever ways that, you know, we have uh, before us. And let us definitely grow in our faith and our devotion to the Lord. But if we but if we ended there, what are we what have what have we left out? What are we what are we not talking about? And that is the power to do this, the motivation to do this, um, which is the gospel. Because Jesus provides for us all that we need 
to do these things. Jesus gives us, through his Spirit, he gives us this ability to be faithful. It's not our ability. Uh, our faith and our faithfulness itself is a gift. So this is the Spirit uh, empowering us to do this. So as we seek to be faithful, may we do so by seeking the Spirit's ability to make us faithful. As we look for ways to express our faithfulness to the Lord and our service to others in big ways and small ways and whatever opportunities we have, let us do so relying on the Spirit's provision uh, to, to do that, to recognize um, where we're gifted, where we're not gifted, uh, and to see opportunities around us in our communities uh, to serve. It's all through him. And then, and then lastly, there's the Spirit's invitation for us to grow uh, in, in, our, in our faith and our devotion to the Lord. Because this is all the gospel. If you want to go back, I mean, you talk about a jailbreak. Um, this, the, the, the fact that Jesus enters in uh, to enemy territory, the word made flesh, being born and, and dwelling among us. This is Jesus coming down into enemy territory. He knows what it's like to be surrounded by so much unfaithfulness. And even in his inner, inner circle of disciples, uh, he, there was that that the feeling of, of, of just being alone and his his devotion to the Lord, his Father, um, his devotion to the Father in spite of so much unfaithfulness. So again, we see this picture um, in Obadiah of what it is to be faithful. He is, he is that picture, but the power is Jesus. The power for this uh, is the gospel uh, exemplifying this, this jailbreak, right? That is now freeing us to be faithful to him and not ourselves, um, to be faithful to those around us and not ourselves, and then to just grow in our devotion to him and instead of our devotion to ourselves. Um, and again, I'll, I'll conclude with that, but this is just, it's been a really big encouragement to me just to realize that we're not all called to be Elijah's. We, some of us may be, but uh, there's still so much work to be, that can be done in, in small ways. Um, and I'm kind of using that word loosely, uh, and yet very, very powerful ways. Let me pray for us. Now, Father, we, we do need your Spirit's help in, uh, in all of this, in, in our faithfulness to you, uh, in, our, in, our, in the way that we, we serve those around us, um, and in the way we grow um, in your, in, in your, by your Spirit. Um, Jesus is the only one who is faithful. Um, he is faithful when we are not. He is faithful um, uh, in spite of our unfaithfulness. And so let us rely on him uh, and his perfect record and not think that uh, we are earning a thing by our service to others or our, our faithfulness to you. But anything that we do is an expression of what we've already received um, in Jesus we thank you for him. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And we thank you that it's because of him that we are worshiping together today, even if we are separated um, separated by several states. Uh, but we are united by the Spirit. We praise you and we thank you.